Thank you for joining us here at First Love Ministries at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois for Reverend Anne Schwartz's sermon, which she has titled, Beginning Again. Our scripture reading for this day comes from Romans 12, 1 through 8. Our special music is performed by a duet made up of Marsha Nelson and Terry Benz. The song is titled, A Child's Prayer. Our gospel reading comes to us from Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Our first hymn for the service is hymn number 81. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Our second hymn is hymn number 299, you servants of God, your master proclaim. And our last hymn for this day is hymn number 450, Be Thou My Vision. We pray all is well with you and your family, neighbors and friends. God bless until we meet again in the next podcast. Our first scripture reading comes to us from the book of Romans. Chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. Let us listen to the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we are many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, Individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nighttime, quiet time, loved ones gather at day's end. I hold them close, I help them know that God will always.
The Gospel reading is from Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Let us listen for the word of God. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, 
and on the rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus was a masterful teacher and communicator. Anybody who practices public speaking or who simply wants to be a better conversationalist can learn a few things from his technique. His primary tools for engaging with others and making connections were telling stories and asking questions. Not talking about himself constantly, not giving lectures, not offering advice, not providing easy answers to difficult problems, and definitely not sharing 12 spiritual tips to being a better you. Given that the Gospels were written decades after his death, the stories and the questions clearly left an impression on people because they were remembered and passed on and eventually recorded. And now thousands of years later, they continue to challenge and intrigue people like us who want to know Jesus. In his book, Jesus is the Answer, the Reverend Martin Copenhaver notes that in the Gospels, Jesus asks 307 questions. By contrast, he is only asked 183. And most striking of all, Jesus gives direct answers to only eight of the 183 questions he's asked. It seems that uh, clear that Jesus prefers to be the one asking the questions. We often use questions to uh, gather information. What's your name? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? And you'll notice that Jesus rarely asks questions to collect data about people. He uses rhetorical questions to make people think. Like, what does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? He uses questions to challenge. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. He invites people to look at themselves and their choices and their faith with questions. Will you lay down your life for me? He even answers questions with questions. Like when the Pharisees say, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he responds, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? And instead of striking back at those who attack him, he asks questions in response to their provocations. Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? Most often, though, I think Jesus questions prompt a turning point in the action of the story or a decisive moment or new beginning in the life of the one who is asked. And today's text from Matthew is a good example. 
As the reading begins, the disciples have been with Jesus for quite some time. They've heard him teach in synagogues and on hillsides. They have witnessed miracles, like Jesus healing people, restoring sight to the blind, enabling the paralyzed to walk, casting out demons, feeding thousands with a little bit of food, and walking on water. They've had time to ponder and practice some of the hard things he said, like needing to love your neighbors and your enemies, forgiving the ones who have hurt them, and not judging others. In other words, these 12 have been up close and personal with Jesus and ought to know him better than anyone else. What are people saying about me, he asked. Well, that's an easy one, right? And they all rush to answer. Everyone's talking about you, Jesus. They say you're some kind of prophet, that you're here to tell people the will of God. The word on the street is, you're important. Everybody says so. It's no coincidence that this exchange occurs where it does. Caesarea Philippi, the city they are entering, had once been ruled by Herod the Great. It was a place that represented the power of the empire and reiterated the values of imperial theology. Caesar is Lord and Rome wins at any cost. Jesus asks them to answer for themselves. Who do you say that I am? Don't parrot what everybody else is saying about me. Tell me yourselves. Given what you have seen, what you have experienced, what you have heard from me, in the shadow of this imperial power, who am I to you? Is it my vision for the world that you choose, or is it the empire? you can almost hear the collective gulp from the disciples and imagine their sweaty palms, see their diverted eyes. This wasn't simply a question about Jesus' identity, but as Josh Scott writes, a declaration of commitment to the way of Jesus, not just as a belief system, but as an actual way of bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven a way of affirming that Jesus' message of nonviolence, abundance, generosity, compassion, and inclusivity align with the very character of God. The disciples' response to that singular question, who do you say that I am, would change everything, would determine the course of their lives, would affect every choice they would make going forward. Paul's admonition to the Romans echoes here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There is no more compelling question for people of faith to consider than who is Jesus to me? Because to proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior is to profess allegiance to a whole new way of life centered in love, 
a whole new way of being in the world centered on sharing that love and to reject everything that is inconsistent and incompatible with love. It is to begin again with new values and priorities and purpose. So today marks a new beginning for all of you at First Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville and for Jonathan and Siobhan and Hannah and Lydia. What an adventure you have been on since late May when the summer sabbatical began. Travels to incredible places, a chance to explore your family heritage, an opportunity to open your hearts, all of you to another pastor and his family, and you to another congregation, and to deepen your connections to and support of one another. And I understand that the Warrens weren't the only ones out and about this summer. That all Jacksonville Presbyterians took a journey to witnessing to your faith, being the body of Christ in the world, sharing extravagant hospitality, and having fun, showing the world who Jesus is to you. Well done. As with all life-altering experiences, I imagine it will take some time for the Warren family uh, to process all that they experienced, all that they saw. And I bet the same is true for you. I expect that you all will discover more fully in the coming weeks and months just how God has moved in and among you, just how God has strengthened and stretched you, just as how, how God has reaffirmed your own commitments to the way of Jesus and the way of love. You might even find that you're a different church than you were a few months ago, and you, Jonathan, may find that you're a different pastor, a different person than you were before you left, all because you all have encountered the holy in new ways, and that makes us understand Jesus in new ways. And all of those things together will make the whole body of Christ stronger. Every day, we have an opportunity to begin again, to reaffirm our desire and commitment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Every day, we get to choose to remember who we are and to whom we pledge our ultimate allegiance. So who is Jesus to you? It's a question that we all have to answer over and over again as we seek to become more faithful disciples of our Lord. May it be so. Amen. If you found this podcast inspirational and would like to support the First Love Ministry programs at First Presbyterian Church, Please send any contributions to First Presbyterian Church at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois. Our zip code is 62650. Our phone is 217-245-4189. You can contact our secretary there between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. 
Our email is office at firstpresjacks.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. Masks are now optional anywhere in the church. Our in-person church services start at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Access to our online church service starts at 9.55 a.m. You can listen to these live services on our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash first, F-I-R-S-T, P-R-E-S, Jacks. You can join our Facebook group called First Presbyterians with a Purpose. We have a choir that meets from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday night, and we welcome all who are willing to sing. We look forward to hearing from you, either by email, mail, or phone. God bless, and may you have a peaceful and safe year.